0: Thank you so much for joining us today at our Savior's Church where we are one church meeting in 5 different locations and our goal is to help you on your spiritual journey to know God, find freedom, discover purpose and make a difference in the lives around you. If you'd like to learn more about our Savior's Church or how to get involved, visit us online at oursaviorschurch.com. I suppose in my life I've always been fond of fixing things. I'm I'm always the guy that's eager to jump into something when it when it looks broken or isn't working. Uh, the way that it's supposed to I kind of come by it honest Uh, my dad was an auto mechanic uh, by trade my uncle was a finished carpenter and so growing up around the house there was always a bunch of tools laying around and all kinds of things and how many of you ever tried to fix something and you didn't have the right tool for the job anybody yeah I hear the moans yeah how'd that work out for you Last last night somebody we're talking about hanging up a picture on the wall and somebody when you didn't have a hammer What could you use and somebody yelled from the crowd a screwdriver? That didn't go well for them or the picture or the wall Usually when you try to fix something without the right tool either you or the thing gets damaged uh, in in the process and I think my dad always tried to instill in me this idea that it was, that, that I could fix it, that I could accomplish anything, and that, that I could, I think he meant well. I think he really did. Help me, think. listen son, you don't always have to hire somebody to come fix something. You can, any guys agree with me in, in that? Okay, wives, if your husband's raising his hand and he shouldn't be, don't say anything. Just let it some go. It's Easter Sunday. Let's, let's, let's have a great, a great time together. I remember my dad telling me one time we were fixing a lawnmower, and I was so frustrated it wouldn't start, and he said, son, listen, if a man made it, a man can fix it. Amen. Oh. It's okay. All right. All right. I'll take it. I remember being four years old and realizing for the first time that that Phillips screwdriver in the kitchen drawer fit all the screws in the doorknobs across the house. <laughs> and I knew just enough that if I put it in there and turned, I could take him out. Got up early one Saturday morning, took out every screw and every doorknob in the entire house. My mom was not pleased at all when she go to leave the bedroom and the knob came out in her hand. And I just kind of came by it honest. Dad, you said, man made it, a man can fix it. I was fixing the doorknobs for you. I remember when I went to watch my favorite show on on VHS. Some of you kids don't know what that means. I'm not gonna explain it to you. Just something old people used to do. And uh, if the tape kept coming out, I'd put it in and it'd come out and I'd put it in and it'd come out. So if a man made it, a man can fix it. And I took that thing apart, the the whole entire VHS, every screw, every everything. And uh, I realized I was really good at taking things apart, but not so good at putting them back together. And uh, I I don't remember uh, much about how my dad felt walking out of the room and seeing our VHS player laid out across the living room floor. But it solicited another piece of family advice. I think he he changed his tone. And he told me this. He said, son, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I get confused, you know. So I'm wondering, like, so, but, but what if it is broken? You know, and I know, I know this about us here in the room today. I'm not the only one that likes to fix things. Matter of fact, um, I, we went out this week and took some pictures at your place. You, you didn't know we were doing that, but we took some pictures of some of the ways that you've tried to fix some of the broken things around your home. Here's some things that we saw. One of you had a hard time listening to the alarm clock, um, so we took a picture of what you did to fix it. Um, you fixed the alarm clock, uh, this way. One of you had a broken doorbell, not a problem, I fixed it. Um, I fixed it, there's not a, there's there's not a broken doorbell anymore, just take those little wires and touch them together and it'll, it'll, it'll work. Some of you, we actually had to go in the kitchen to find the way you fixed this, but your cookbook wouldn't stay open, so you found a way (laughs) to fix it. Some of you are thinking, I'm gonna go home and look in the closet and see if I have one of those one of those things these Cajuns don't miss anything uh, don't miss anything and then you've got gas prices these days I've seen how some of you try to fix the gas prices that uh, that exist in your homes so we have a picture of there you go that's how a Cajun fixes the van Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a swamp van and of course you know this time of year if you don't get to cut the grass it gets thick thick so some of you were out trying to fix your grass and how it looked in the coolie um, yeah, I just, I just don't know. These are funny. And, uh, and they're, some of you are going to go home. If your husband tries to do this, please call your pastor. I'm going to help him. Um, don't, don't, don't do that. They're funny. They're funny to laugh at. And, and you know, these broken things that, that we try to fix on our own and it's amazing what you can fix with baling wire and a little bit of hundred mile an hour tape. And you may be saying, what's a hundred mile an hour tape, Pastor Don? That's the gray stuff, the gray tape. It sticks to everything. You really like to call it duct tape, but where I'm from we call it hundred mile an hour tape. Because when you put it on something, it'll stay for a, up to about a hundred miles an hour and then it starts to come off and you've got to find something else. And it's funny, Pastor Don, I get it, ha. But what if what's broken is your marriage? What if, what if what's broken today is, is a relationship? A relationship with your kids? Things just aren't the way they used to be in that. What happens? Somewhere along the way it's, it's, it's broken. There's a, there's a job situation, Pastor, it's broken. I can't fix it. I've been trying but I can't, I can't get past it. I've got, I've got this addiction that keeps coming up and coming up and I, I thought I could fix it and I thought it was behind me but it's, but it's broken and it's, it's costing you everything. I remember what it was like to be broken you have these feelings like man this this isn't what i signed up for there, there has to be more to life than this you ever felt that way every hope and dream i ever had is broken it leaves you feeling who am i really what is this all about and how many of you know there's an enemy out there that loves to jump in in moments like that and tell you you're broken that's who you're broken and i think if we were to be honest and really look at our lives through this I-can-fix-it lens, what would we see? Would we see a bunch of bailing wire and duct tape? Would we see a bunch of failed attempts at you trying to fix it yourselves? I'm reminded of that song that many of us know the words to. It says, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I'm see that song came from somebody's place of brokenness and they found healing but it wasn't because they tried to fix it themselves that's the story of the gospel the good news a story of hope and please let me be the first one to tell you today if any of what i just said resonates with you there's hope for you today there's hope in jesus there's hope in god to help fix you because here's the truth i need you to understand about trying to fix your life on your own since god made you god can fix you since god made you god can fix you man did not make you you did not make you God made you and you can you can't fix your brokenness only God can and he's going to do it with a resurrection. Say that with me today. Resurrection. Resurrection. It was in the context of our brokenness that Jesus first came into this world. I'm gonna show you some passages in scripture that really describe what that looked like early on. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. He didn't just come to tell people about God. He healed every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's my Jesus, helping me when I'm harassed and helpless. Can I tell you there's a big difference between fixing and healing? Big difference between fixing and healing. What's amazing, Jesus' life was lived not by chance, but exactly as the scripture said that it would. 700 years before Jesus came to live on this earth, this is what the prophet Isaiah said about him and what he would do for us when he came Verse five says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement or the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. How many of you are grateful that God doesn't lay on us the iniquity of us? if we trust in Jesus. That's good news. Paul, Paul thought so too. It was great news. matter of fact, when Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, here's what he said about the gospel, about this good news. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel, that I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word that I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Look at this. For I delivered to you as of first importance not the second thing I told you not the thing I eventually got around to telling you but the thing that was the most important thing to me to share to you was this first importance of what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas then to the 12 then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. But to Paul, this was so deeply personal. Look what he says the next verse, verse 8. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And I hope by the end today, you can say this the way that Paul said it and said, not only do I know this Jesus came and he died the way scripture said he would, and not only was he raised to the life, and not only did he appear to all of those people who went about telling him all the great things, not only did he appear to the people sitting next to me, but today I got a picture of who Jesus is to me, and least of all, he appeared to me. You gotta understand the gospel of Jesus is public, but it's also deeply personal. The gospel is good news. It's it's not that God just sent Jesus so that we could go to heaven when we die. Y'all do understand there's more to life and more to Christianity than just fire insurance. Look what John 10, 10 says. These are Jesus' words. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I came that they may have life and what? Have it abundantly. Have it abundantly. And it's very hard to have abundant life when your life is broken. That's what Jesus came to fix. He didn't, just not just that Jesus came and died. Listen, church, it's Jesus came and lived. And he, he died for me. Because he died for me, I can live in the fullness that God has intended for me. Look what Jesus says in the Gospel of John about his own mission. Chapter six, verse 37. All that the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast out For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he's given me. Look at this next part. But raise it up on the last day. What does he mean, raise it up? I'll tell you, he's talking about a resurrection talking about a resurrection not just this idea that what was broken can now be fixed church it is so much more than that I'm talking about the kind of thing where it was dead and Jesus can bring it back to life the kind of thing that you thought was ended and God says no there's a new beginning for you that's the gospel that's the resurrection message and that's what we're so excited about here on Easter Sunday it is a resurrection And Easter is more than the day we just celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. It's more than God sent his son to us to save us and to heal us. It's so much more than that. It's just as scripture said he would. Don't don't miss that. His death came as a surprise to his followers, but not to God, who all along had a solution and a plan to our problem of sin and brokenness. I want to show you that story, um, that resurrection story. Open your Bibles to Matthew 27. We're going to read the story together. Jesus has been betrayed, and those that he came to save decided to have him crucified. We're turning to Matthew 27, chapter uh, chapter 27, verse 27 through 31. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters, and they gathered the whole battalion before him, and they stripped him, and they put a scarlet robe on him. And twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And then they mocked him. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, huh? And then they spit on him, and they took the reed, and they struck him on the head. And when they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him, and they led him away to crucify him. And I was thinking about fixing things and fixing my own brokenness. And as I looked over this story this week, and Couple of things stood out to me. Here's one of them while he's on the cross when you read this story He's suffering in agony agony and nearing death. They would yell at him. The crowd would yell. Here's what they would yell. Save yourself Jesus If you really are the son of God come down from the cross. It's like they were saying hey fix it Jesus Go ahead fix yourself. Fix yourself if you are the Son of God. Why are you up there enduring all of this brokenness before you, Jesus? If you are the Son of God, why can't you fix it yourself? And I wondered, man, why didn't he? Why didn't Jesus just jump off the cross? Why didn't Jesus send all the angels? Why why did he endure all of that? Can I tell you, church, I believe it's because he knew there was something more powerful than death. And he was about to defeat it. I think he knew there was something stronger than fixing he was about to bring healing to us by his actions how many times have you tried to fix yourself how would it work out for you I'm just gonna try harder if I could just do more or if I could stop doing that then the brokenness would be gone I would be I would be fixed how many times have you thought that another relationship or a new person in your life would fix that brokenness that was there. If I, could just, if I could just find a man, all my problems would go away. I was so proud, so proud of a conversation I had this, this week with a young lady. She was telling me all the mo- wonderful things that God had done in her life. And she said this, she said, Pastor, that's the season that I'm in. I'm ready for a husband. But she said, I'm not settling. I'm not settling at all. I know God has done too much in me for me to be stuck trying to fix something with somebody, when all I really need to be doing is trusting God for that relationship. And I said, I'm so proud of you. I'm gonna trust God. Jesus resisted the temptation to try and fix it himself, and he endured the pain for you and I, and he died for us. The story tells us that not only did he die, but they placed his body in a tomb. They rolled a large stone to close it. They sealed the stone, to that tomb entrance, and then they place soldiers around it to guard it. Period, the end, end of story, that's it. Let's pray and go home. Some of you are chuckling because you know the story doesn't end there, does it? Absolutely, it doesn't end there. And if if it was, you and I would have to remain broken, but because the story doesn't end there, there is healing for us in these next verses. Matthew 28, verse one through six, look at this. Now, after the Sabbath... for he has risen as he said. Okay, you didn't get as excited about that as I did when I read that the first time. He's not here. He is risen exactly how he said. And can I tell you, church, that all of Christianity rests on this truth. He is not there anymore. He is risen. There is an empty cross. Jesus has risen. And I thought today I would share with you just some truths rather briefly about resurrection truths about resurrection and what to think about when you're broken and you can't fix it yourself here's the first thing i want to tell you the first truth about resurrection if you want god to resurrect something you have to be willing to let it die first You have to be willing to let it die first. The scripture goes into great detail about the fact that Jesus died before he was buried and before he was resurrected. And if you want to see God bring about a resurrection in your life, you need to stop trying to fix it yourself. When Cole, my 12-year-old, was young, he would bring me broken toys to fix. I love that my children think I can fix anything. I really do. It is one of the joys of being a father to look at something your kids bring you that's broken. You're like, "Come here, I got that. Let me let me fix it." When, when as adults did we stop bringing broken things to our father? When did we stop doing that? When did we when did we lose that idea? Probably about the time we decided we could start fixing it ourselves. I remember the time Cole brought me an action figure, and the leg was off, and he couldn't back, get it back on, and, Dad, can you fix it? And, yeah, absolutely, and I grabbed one part in this hand, and one part in this hand, and as I started to do it, he stopped me, he said, I got it, Daddy, I got it, I see what you're going to do. And what did he do? He took it from me, and he, he tried, and he was getting frustrated, and I asked him, I said, are you ready to let me fix that? Yeah, yeah, okay. And I'm reminded every time I think about that story of the times that I've brought in something broken to God and I see him start to work on it. I see him and I start to think, oh, that's what I need to do, and I take it back from God. As if I'm gonna do this and I never fully let him have it. If you want God to bring a resurrection into your life, you have to be willing to let him have it fully. You have to be willing to let it die first. it may be an unmet expectation it may be a disappointment it may be a hurt that you experienced that you've allowed yourself to relive over and over and over again in your memory thinking that if i just think about it differently it'll get better if i just change it and can i tell you that thing that you're trying to fix on your own has you trapped in your brokenness. Letting something die means handing it over completely to God. Let him have it fully. Don't take it back and watch what he'll do with it. John chapter 12 shows us a picture of this when Jesus tells the disciples, he says, I tell you for certain that a grain of wheat that falls on the ground will never be more than one grain unless it dies. But if it dies, it will produce lots of wheat. And that hurt in your life? hasn't yet produced something beneficial because it hasn't died you haven't fully given it to god in that moment you're hanging on to a little bit of it and god wants to bring a resurrection to your life but you gotta let him fix it you gotta let him have it completely matthew 16:24 tells us this then jesus said to his disciples if any of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way take up your cross and follow me If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Back in the late 80s, Lori and Kevin, you you, you may know them. Lori would sit with her two young daughters. This is 1986, 1987 time frame, 1988. She'd sit on the front row right over there where Pastor Paul is sitting, and she would pray to God, God, fix my husband. Both of them grew up in a godly home and, and knew about church, but life had gotten to Kevin in a way. And he was in the bars and drinking and running from God and running from church and running from everything. And, and Lori thought, man, I, God, if you just please fix my husband, please fix my husband, please fix my husband. And she sat there in that pew with her daughters week after week after week and prayed and prayed and prayed and one Sunday Lori will tell you God spoke to her and he said that's my son not yours and you're not the wife that I'm ready for him that he needs when I'm ready to call him to what he needs to do so why don't you let me work on you for a little bit instead of you being so concerned with me working on him. You should hear Lori tell the story. She says, my eyes got about this big around, and I said, okay, God. And she said, I did. For the next, what, 12 years? She worked and worked and worked and worked on herself. Got better. She started to know some things, notice some things that happened in her story and in her life. And uh, she says this, she said, Pastor, I stopped nagging, and one day I realized he stopped going to the bars. And I stopped with the complaining and he stopped with the drinking. She said, Pastor, I got better. And it's like as if I was getting better, he was getting better. And God was getting all the glory. She said this, she says, as I did, as I did that, as I let God work on me, God loved Kevin back to himself and loved the religion right out of me. Right out of me. Kevin and Lori's story is amazing, but it's not the only story like that. What she let die, this desire, this dream that her husband would be fixed, it'd be the kind of husband that she could have, that she could serve alongside with in church, that that her girls could look up to in the middle of that. It took a long time, but she gave it to God. She fully gave it to God. What she let die, God was able to resurrect. If you want God to resurrect something, you have to be willing to let it die first here's the second thing I need you to understand you don't find a resurrected life where it was you find it where it's going you don't find it where it was you find it where it was going I saw this in the text for the first time as I was thinking about Easter in my conversation with you today look at Matthew 28 6 through 7 this is right where we left off he is not here for he is risen as he said come see the place where he lay then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and behold, he's going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. It's like the angel was telling him, he's not there anymore, but here's where you can see him. He's not there but here's where you can see him. See, you'll notice Kevin and Lori aren't sitting on the front pew of this church anymore. And you may say, well, Pastor on. where are they? I'll tell you where they are. They're not there anymore. They're standing over in the nursery, receiving our kids, working together, caring for all of them, serving together. And to watch, if you knew Kevin today, and you're just hearing this story for the first time, your jaw's on the floor, because you're thinking there's no way that that guy is the same guy that you're saying to this. But today, the two of them are serving together, and I'm telling you, our church is full of resurrection stories just like that. You can't find him where he was. Anybody that knew Kevin in the 80s would go looking for him in a bar. But you can't find him there, can you? Where do you find Kevin today? In church, serving Jesus. He's not where he was. You can see him where he's going. You want to hear another cool story? David, Dominique, where you at, David? Wave your hand up in the balcony. There you are. David's story is amazing. David grew up knowing God, but he chose to follow the street life, and that didn't work out for him. Man, as he got to be an adult, he thought he had everything going for him. Then one day, started to realize, man, I'm just not, I'm trying to do it on my own. I'm trying to do it on my own. Lost a job that he absolutely loved. Lost his wife. At this rock bottom, struggling with fear, struggling with anxiety, grief, all the stress. The doctor said that all that stress you were feeling from all the stuff that you had lost in your life, that's what caused the stroke that put him in a wheelchair. And there he was one day, the left side of his body completely disconnected from his brain at his absolute worst and at his bottom. Stuck in a wheelchair, unable to care for himself. He told me, he said, Pastor, I couldn't even open my hand. He talked to the therapist that was, that was helping him walking through and going through recovery and, and all of these things. And he said, I knew, I knew God was, was there and had a plan for me, but I just couldn't see it. I was so stuck in myself, in my own way, and he said, this therapist used to put a penny and a nickel and a dime in front of me, and she would say, just keep opening and thinking that you're opening your hand and picking up those coins, and one day you'll be able to, and one day you'll be able to, and he said, I couldn't, and I couldn't, and I couldn't, (laughs) I remember the joy in his voice when he said, Pastor, the day I picked up that penny, you'd have thought I picked up a mountain of gold in the middle of that. And what many people don't know about David's story, because he shows up to church every weekend, is in that moment when he was far from God and far from being who who God wanted him to be, is when he found a church. And his sister introduced him to Pastor Paul, who went over and prayed with him one day. And through that relationship, he started to realize, man, God does have a plan for me. God has a purpose for me. And as he started to get better spiritually, guess what happened to David physically? He was opening his hand. He was moving his arm. He was walking on his own. He was taking those steps. And if you if you didn't know david today and you only knew david back then you'd think here's a man who's broken and who's stuck and confined to a wheelchair but i'm just here to tell you church a resurrection has happened in his life and you don't find him where he was you find him where he's going in the middle of this it gets it gets even better today david is not the man in the wheelchair, today he's providing care for others. He went from being an offshore roughneck to being an in home caretaker. And now he has the privilege every day to care for a man who was physically bound to a wheelchair the same way others cared for him when he had his stroke and was struggling and far from God. How cool is that? Here's here's what he told me he said god hasn't just given me a second chance at life he's given me a second perspective on how to use and live my life for your glory it's resurrection church you can't you can't find him where he was now you can only see him where he's going i think of jeff schmidt's story jeff's story is not not too dissimilar from 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 many of us he he grew up in church And growing up in church, there every week, excited, participating hands in everything, and experienced a hurt in church. It split the church, and it split him far from God and his relationship with God. And as a result of that hurt, it left him walled off relationally. It was funny, Jeff would say it this way. He said, I was saved, but I was isolated. I knew God loved me. And deep down, I loved him, but I just, I couldn't stand to be around other people. It just, I was hurt too bad. Jeff will tell you his favorite verse, the one that he could memorize or he could recite from heart was Proverbs eighteen eighteen nineteen: 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a fortified city. That was Jeff's story. And he sat in the back of that balcony up there for 12 years before trusting in a leader to help him. That day, he finally decided to join a freedom group. And can I tell you what happened in that freedom group? Can I tell you what happened? Trust in that. You, you know what I'm about to say, don't you? Yeah, because here's the thing. Jeff's, Jeff's not sitting up there in the balcony, walled off relationally from men in his life. It took trusting another man. It took trusting in Jesus to help him. It took fully giving that hurt in that season of his life over to God so God can... And here's the thing. Jeff's not over there. Right now, back where he was, walled off relationally. Jeff's sitting right here on the front row where he sits every Sunday morning. Well, listen to me, church. You don't find him avoiding men, you find him leading them today. He's no longer avoiding those relationships. He's looking for them. He's he's starting them. Jeff's leading the freedom group right now, leading one of our serve teams. Today in this church are nearly a dozen men that would stand up and say, Jeff is the reason why I have the relationship with my wife and the relationship with Jesus that I have today. That's a resurrection. You don't find Jeff where he was. You find him where he's going today. Do you see what I'm saying? Matthew 28, 6-7. He's not here. He has risen. He's going before you. There you will see him. The power of resurrection isn't just that a dead person was brought to life, it's that the live person is now going, accomplishing things for God. That's the power of resurrection. Y'all got time for Amber's story? Amber's story is amazing. Amber's sitting right over there in the corner. Amber grew up in a home where her father's drug addiction became her own. I want you to stop for just a second and think about that the one man given to every child with the responsibility of bearing what it's like to be godlike, what it's like to represent God, is giving her the drugs that addicted her. Letting her and, and, and stewarding all of that poorly in the middle of that. And she said, Pastor, that, that his drug addiction became my own. What started off as pain meds and opiates Wasn't long for it ended up in full-on, intravenous, crystal meth addiction. Done. Every hope and every dream that she thought and was looking forward to. How many daughters do you think grow up expecting to be that kind of an addict? Any of them? No, I didn't think so. 25 years old because of a friend and her life completely disheveled, strung out and addicted, she leaves her infant daughter with her mom to go join Teen Challenge. She tells says, Pastor, I was only gonna go there for 30 days. Only gonna go there for 30 days. And while she was there, God met her. She met Jesus, 30 days soon became a year and a half. Let me tell you something amazing about Amber's story. That's where she was, but she's not there anymore. She's not there anymore. You should hear her tell the story when the doctor called her and said, I don't know what you're doing, I don't know what's happened in your life, but that hepatitis C that you had, it's gone. It's gone, completely healed. She has her daughter back. I remember in January, this year, when she caught me in the foyer, she said, Pastor Don, today is six years that I'm sober. Six years. I don't even remember what I preached that day, but I remember when she told me. Why? Because a resurrection had taken place. A resurrection had taken place in her life. She has accountability now, she has long life relationships, and she's leading others. Amber's leading a freedom group. Of other ladies helping them understand how they can overcome their hurts and their habits and their hang-ups in life she's not there anymore let me show you where she's going the best part I was talking to her on Friday she said Pastor Donham I'm, I'm going to buy some plants for my house and if you don't know Amber's story you don't know the story of that house she bought that house she bought that house from 25 strung out crystal meth, can't even take care of her daughter. Now she's got her own house. She's a homeowner, and she's going out and buying flowers like we get to do to put in her house. (laughs) And Amber, I bet those flowers look beautiful, but they're not near as beautiful as what God has done in your life these last years. (laughs) Resurrection resurrection y'all got time for one more I could do this all day long <laughs> I could do this all day long many of you know Jessica Jessica where you at Raise your hand. there you are there you are Jessica grew up in a godly home uh, but she ran from it Jessica had a mama and not just a mama a praying mama a mama that knew that her daughter had a plan and a purpose from God for her life, and a calling for her life. And every time Jessica would run, every time she'd go and, and do all the things that her mama knew she shouldn't be doing, her mama would sit there and would stand and say, you go do what you do, God's got a plan for you. I'm not budging. I'm not budging at all. And her mama stood on the word of God, her mama stood on faith that Jessica would come to know God, that his plan and his purpose would be fulfilled in her life. But Jessica was running. Jessica married early, married young, and married a man who had a successful trucking business. But it wasn't long before he had turned from trucking to running drugs. And maybe what started off as marijuana ended up running and trafficking cocaine through his trucking business. This was her husband, the same man that she had given herself to. He was arrested for distributing cocaine. And while the feds were putting a case together with him, he was locked up in county, For at least three years probably four i think is what she said the four years after three years realized this isn't working in my life i need to do something with my life get it back where it was supposed to go She started taking the right steps to get back going where she needed to be ends up divorcing her husband when the feds realized that she had divorced her husband they reached out to her saying hey would you be willing to prosecute him we're we're building a case would you testify in the prosecution against him and she told me she said pastor don i just couldn't I just couldn't testify against the father of my children. They, they, they needed their dad. And they threatened her. These agents threatened her and said, if you won't prosecute him or testify against him, we're coming after you. And it was in his hearing when they flipped the script on her and found two people that would testify that one day while they were buying drugs for her husband, oh, she was there, they said. She was there. And they went from saying, would you please testify to saying, we're indicting you on conspiracy. You're getting lumped into all of this also. Jessica was convicted for 10 years, sentenced for 10 years for conspiracy for something that she didn't do. Left a daughter, left a son with that same praying mama for nine and a half years she would serve she tells a story i was on my knees that day when i got the sentence and i begged god to take this away from me promising god if 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 you'll take this from me i'll serve you the rest of my life i'll 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 do it i'll do it i'll come back to you god if you'll just take this from me and she said i heard god's voice clearly maybe for the first time that day and he said no my daughter I'm not going to take this from you but I will walk with you and I will be with you and you'll never know a day without me. And there she stood on that promise for nine and a half years while her mama was raising her kids. It was on that promise and it was in those moments in that federal camp that she fell in love with Jesus and began, God began to change her life. Do you know what Jessica found out? that foundation of God's truth that my mama stand on for so many years, it's wide enough for me to stand on also. It's wide enough for me to stand on also. But if you go looking for Jessica, she's not there anymore. You can't, you can't find her there. And every Sunday, her daughter and her son sit in that same pew that she does, and they watch her worship. And you can tell her whatever you want, but a woman who's been through something like that, who knows a God that she serves, that helped her in those moments. I asked her, I said, hey, are you okay with me sharing this story? She said, Pastor, I hope you do. Because when those people watch me worship, they need to know. They need to know why I'm worshiping the way I'm worshiping, because what I've been through, And if you want to know who's singing so loudly, if you want to know whose hands are raised higher, if you want to know why she sits at the end of the pew, because she needs the whole aisle to worship God. You can't find her where she was. You can only find her where she's going. I didn't change these lives just so they could go to heaven church he changed them so they could experience abundant life here on earth if you want god to resurrect something you have to be willing to let it die first you don't find a resurrected life where it was you find it where it's going and number three resurrection doesn't fix a broken life it gives birth to a brand new one a brand new one 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 If you want to memorize a verse, if you want to start memorizing scripture, might your pastor suggest you start with this one. Look what it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. This verse does not say your broken has been fixed. It says your old is gone and there's a new creation that is there for you. That's resurrection. Romans 8 carries that same theme for us. It says this, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the same spirit, him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me give you the New Dawn translation of that. If that same spirit that brought her from death and her from death and him from death and him from death lives inside of you, then the same resurrection that he experienced, that he experienced, that she experienced, and that she experienced is available for you today. I wish I could get you to understand church that God doesn't just want you to settle for a life that's just pieced together no more baling wire no more duct tape no more trying to find people that will fix this for you he wants you to have a life and a life of fullness I want to invite everybody to bow your heads and close your eyes with me today because I need you to know something this Resurrection Sunday. I need you to know something this Easter Sunday. Broken marriages don't fix themselves. Just like a leaking roof will only get worse. And church broken hearts left to themselves will only harden. There's a reason why you can't fix it, but you know something's not right. Right? because you didn't make you, God did. And I believe he brought you here this Resurrection Sunday to help you see how he wants you to have a place not just in heaven but a purpose here on earth. And I want you to experience a resurrection in your life just like the stories we talked about but that's only possible with a relationship with Jesus. And I wanna ask you church probably the most important question I could ever ask on a day like today in a moment like this with a life like you have? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? I did not ask you if you know God. I'm not asking you did you grow up in church? Have you been christened? I'm asking you have you been born again? Have you been born spiritually the same way that you were born physically? Do you know if you died today that the first face you would see would be the face of Jesus And I tell you, church, you can have that new life. You can experience that resurrection power that others have experienced. You can have that confidence to know where you'll spend your eternity and how well and how full you can live your life here on earth. But it takes you surrendering. It takes you saying, I'm tired of going my own way. And I'm ready to fully give it to God. Fully letter Jesus would say this to a religious man in John chapter three. He said, "You can't enter the kingdom of heaven. You can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you've been born again." You say, "Well, Pastor Don, what, what does that mean? What, is this, what does this look like, Pastor Don? What are you asking me to do?" I would tell you it's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you're a sinner, that you have sin in your life, that you're like all of us. You've, you've gone astray chosen your own way and your own way of doing it and that way of you doing it your own has left you broken and that sin in your life has separated you from a righteous and holy god a admit B believe that god sent his one and only son jesus who lived a sinless life a life you and i could not live to pay a debt in full that we could not pay not just believing that jesus came for all of us it's believing in your heart that jesus came for you A admit be believed see confess confess him as lord and savior when you're broken the savior part's easy jesus save me help me but it's that lord part that really makes the difference god i'm tired of doing it on my own your way is better I want to do it your way. I'm no longer in the driver's seat. I'm not even in the passenger seat. I'm gonna get in the back seat, God, and let you fully have my broken life. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Don, I'm ready to admit, I believe and I'm ready to confess Jesus as Lord and Savior. Will you pray with me today to be born again? With every head bowed and every eye still closed, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or even come to the front, but I am going to ask you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying with this Resurrection Sunday. Pastor Don, will you pray with me to be born again? Let me see your hands, church, all across this place. Thank you. I see your hand. Keep your hands up. I'm looking. Thank you. I I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand back thank you ma'am I see your hand I see yours I see your hand I see your hand there in the back I see your hand I see your hand too in the balcony I see it. I see your hand too God's in the process of taking these broken things and he's healing them and put your hands down you raised your hand already don't raise it again but if you're here before i pray you say pastor don please include me please include me this easter sunday to be born again to know that my future is not only secure but my purpose on life in life is waiting for me if you want me to pray with you you didn't raise your hand earlier raise it now before we pray one more time i don't want anybody to miss it church here's what we're going to do I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me, indicative of the fact that nobody lives Christianity alone. If you raise your hand, I especially want you to say this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that on the cross, you took my sin, my shame, and my guilt, and you died for me. I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth, and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my sin to follow you with all my heart, no matter what it costs me. God is my Father. Jesus is my Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is now my home. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.